Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Sarah Breskman Cosme is back with us and has fascinating information to share on the history of the ancient Americas and Native Americans. The timeline stretches back to Atlantis and Lemuria and reaches to the sky. We'll discuss a witness account of the Trail of Tears when the Native American population were moved from their lands. Welcome back, Sarah. It's always so good to see your beautiful face and hear <laughs> fascinating information because you're like Dolores. You don't stop. You're the energizer bunny of regressions. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I know Dolores is working with you from the other side. And um, so you've got a lot of good support around you. And you're developing an incredible body of work that you've now been documenting in one, really, one wonderful book after another. <laughs> so I just want to thank you for taking the time, as she did, to document everything so we have these stories. Thank you so much. It seems to me, because history is not going to be figured out by looking at the uh, accepted historical accounts that we'll find in libraries and in, in universities' educational systems. That's, that's a bit. That tells a little bit. But it's really going to be brought forward by those who were there and can bring, clearly bring back the memory as clearly as possible. And together, we're going to piece together our history. I mean, it's so exciting, the work I do. I'm always so excited. What are they going to show me next? What kind of ancient history are they going to share with me? Or what kind of secrets are they going to share? Yeah, because you don't know. I don't know at all. Okay, so this starts with a man named Les this time. It's actually a woman. Oh, it's a woman and named Les? This oh, all excuse me. I saw the name <laughs> Les and made an assumption it was a man. Okay, a person named Les, a woman named Les. So let's. I want to hear how this began and what did she initially come to you for? So, oh my gosh, like I said before, I'm not the one that writes these books. And this whole book, this third book started because it started right after I had this really interesting session with a man and while he was deep under hypnosis, he remembered a different lifetime where he was an extraterrestrial and his job on this other planet was to search the universe um, for places where it could sustain life. And basically he was searching and, and um, picking up different objects like a rock, a solid or a liquid, and he would take it back to a ship and focus consciousness into it. And then with yes. his technology, they would read whether or not there was a response from the object. And if there was response, then they knew this planet could see life. So anyway, I asked his higher consciousness, why did you show him this lifetime? Of all the lifetimes you could show them, show him. And they said, because we wanted him to remember that he was part of the team that developed the human. And he, he needs to remember how powerful the human is. He's not using this power because energetically a human is energetically set up to use their emotions. They're, they're built for these severe emotions. And whenever a human experiences a severe emotion, it opens up a portal. And within this portal are tons of possibilities. And they wanted him to start doing this. They wanted him to open up this portal by focusing on a very strong, powerful emotion and then 
get the potentials that are available to him. So after this client left, I thought, well, I want to try this technique. <laughs> so I did it. I, I put myself into a state of gratitude because it's the easiest way to raise your vibration. Right. And I felt really good. And then I imagined a portal of light opening up and I just asked, okay, universe, send me another subject. I'm really excited. What are you going to share with me next? Because like I said, it's so exciting. I never know what they're going to share yes. with me. So this is where it gets crazy. All of a sudden, my phone pinged. I mean, that might not sound crazy, but my phone was set to silent. And I checked my phone, and it was still set to silent. But someone had messaged me right when my eyes were still closed. And it was this woman I had never met. Her name was Les. And she said, this is going to sound so crazy. I know I sound so crazy, but I had to contact you right now. And I don't know why. I'm sorry that I sound like a, an insane person. So I messaged her back and I said, no, you don't sound crazy at all. Have you ever done hypnosis? And she said, no, but she was willing to try. Now, how did she even know to call you? That's the thing. She got my number. Well, it was a messenger. She got my number through somebody and was able to text me. And normally, a message like that can't even get through. Right. So, now, did she, was there something specific she wanted no, to work on? She had no idea. She didn't really know that much about me. She just felt this strange, weird mm -hmm. desire I to contact that. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So you meet Les. She, yeah. And, and what starts happening? So she was a nice, bubbly, um, dirty blonde hair, young woman, very friendly. And as I brought her deep under hypnosis, another sounding voice came out of her. It was her voice, but it sounded almost like a man. Mm -hmm. And this voice said, I am Anawaya. I'm the one who contacted you. I'm a Native American and I'm contacting you now because I need to tell our story. Our story is vital to the evolution of humanity. I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, well, now, okay. oh my gosh. <laughs> That's direct and clear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what did she feel? I mean, at the end of it, was she shocked by this whole oh, thing? Her look was priceless. I mean, it's one thing to tell you, you know, you're a powerful being. You have so much power. You're, you're a creator. You never die. But it's another thing to experience that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could take pictures of my clients sometimes. You know, she was in shock. But... It was shock and awe. Like she was curious too, so that it all made sense. And she said, you know, Sarah, I had this imaginary friend when I was growing up and his name was Anawaya. And now it makes sense to me. It was really just this person. Yes. It was really another version of me. And I've learned through many sessions that sometimes other versions of ourselves come and talk to us when we're children. And that's why people think they're imaginary friends, but they're really a version of us in a different dimension checking on us. Interesting. <laughs> and before we started rolling camera here, um, I always kind of check around and just, just to see who's in the room with us, because usually <laughs> you can feel people's guides and everything. And I, I told you beforehand, there's a Native American <laughs> here, a male mm -hmm. Native American entity here. And so all this makes sense. So I think still there to try to make sure that the story is told properly, because I could feel him in the room. Right. I mean, this story, this information is so important. As the consciousness of the earth gets stronger, it's important for us to connect with this consciousness, this intelligence. But anyway. Okay, so let's get into him. So Native American, 1800s, 
correct? Correct. You actually did some research to find out if any such Mm -hmm. person existed. So let's just kind of set that part up before we go into his story. So both of us, Les and I, we researched and researched and tried to find this person um, named Anawaya. And we did it based off a drawing that she had drawn of him from her memory. And we found a person and it fit all the the descriptions. And actually his name was changed by the white man to um, Chief Billy Justice. And even in Anawaya's description of going to England and everything like that, it was all in this history. So I really do think we found who Anawaya was. So let's talk about who Anawaya was in the day. Oh my gosh. So what was so interesting when Anawaya was coming through my client Les was that he kept saying he was very much alive. And I was like, how is this possible? How are you alive talking to me? And he said, basically, if you can think about it like this, Anything that has ever happened and anything that will happen exists in the now. And he said the way he was contacting me was he was doing this really interesting meditation. I tried this too, and it seems to work a little bit. (laughs) So you, you make your body very, very still. And by making your body still, it makes your mind still. And that really works if you try to do it. It brings you deep into meditation. But what I haven't figured out how to do and he could do was he would focus and focus his concentration to less, which is a past life, or he's a past Past life life version version. of Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And he could communicate to me almost like a phone call in that way. Mm -hmm. It's really quite fascinating. And it reminded me of Dolores Cannon when she would talk to Nostradamus because he kept saying he was very much alive. Yes, and that's true, yes. And oh my gosh, I've heard so many different stories from so many different sessions, but Anawaya's firsthand account of walking the Trail of Tears, I I couldn't stop crying. I lost it. It was so, um, uh, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, in history, you hear one story, but to hear a firsthand account is a different, different well, thing. Would you mind sharing it, even if it gets you teary for a second? Because I think that he wants that relayed. Yeah, I'll try not to cry. Um, Well, it's really hard uh, for anybody, I think. Explain the Trail of Tears for anyone who doesn't know. Sure. It's the the term coined for the forced relocation of the southeastern uh, Native Americans. They were forced out of their homeland and forced west of the Mississippi. Essentially, there was gold found on their territory, and they were forced out of their lands. Now, is this part of the Appalachian part of the story from the Appalachian area, where mm-hmm. the British, right, the British yes. were in control at that mm-hmm. time, yes. where the British forced them off of the they land forced and them. forced them to go west so they could take the resources um, right. from wherever they were. No, they, from wherever they had originally been. Actually, Appalachia, the way I have it written here. Um, was given to them in 1763. Yes. Okay. But that didn't matter. It didn't matter. The settlers just come and take what they want, and they didn't have any rights anyway. So the trail, either way, whether it was the original relocation or just being bumped out after they were being given land, um, let's talk about what that looked like. Right. And, you know, I remember in history class learning about this, but what I didn't realize was that it was more like genocide. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were tortured. They were murdered. Women were raped. And I think the worst part of it for me was hearing about, oh gosh, 
I'll try not to cry. Um, the children, you know, just how people could do this to other people. So I asked Anna Wyatt, how, why did the white man do this to the Native Americans? And his answer was so interesting. He said, the white man was one of the earliest victims of this negative energy that asserted itself onto the planet, that the white man's culture was stolen from them so long ago that the white man doesn't even remember that they had a culture, that they used to dance amongst fairies and they were witches and pagans and they had all these magical beliefs and all of that was stolen from them. So they're walking around not even remembering who they are. And what I found really interesting was how important this information is. How um, for Anawaya, he said that for right before the Trail of Tears, the Nunahe, that's what he called them, the fairy people. <laughs> Apparently, fairy pe everybody knows about the fairy mm -hmm. people in indigenous tribes. Yes, and they, all over the planet. Yeah. Yes. And um, they warned the Native Americans, especially the Cherokee, um, that if they didn't want to go through with this, they could go underground into these tunnels. That is the same, that's the same lore in Britain and particularly in Ireland. Oh, interesting. That one group of beings, and anyone that wants to watch this can go back and look at my shows with Sean, Father Sean O'Lar, <laughs> um, he talks about this, were driven underground, very uh, refined beings, were driven underground, called the Tuatha de Danann, which ended up being the wisdom keepers that ultimately were the Druids. Um, they were driven underground by agreement just to be able to continue to live right. on Earth. And now you're saying the same thing in the Americas. The Nunahe, or the fairy people, said, if you don't want to be a part of this, you can ascend, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And you can ascend by going deep within the earth, which I thought is so interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Because you don't have to ascend upwards. No. You can ascend going within well, the earth. Well, that's what they same did there. With, same yeah. with the um, survivors from Lemuria. Yes. Many of them that went to Mount Shasta by going deep within the mountain there because of all the crystals they were um, around, they were able to ascend. That's really fascinating. I can tell you about that really quickly. Sure, do. So I was wondering, how did they ascend in Mount Shasta, these survivors from Lemuria? And they said by going into the mountain, there were these special crystals that were placed there from the early colonizers. Mm -hmm. And these crystals had like a celestial converter. And what these crystals would do by, by um, using them, they would work with the um, Earth's energy and the movement of the Earth through the Milky Way galaxy. Mm -hmm. And it would convert this energy that the beings within the mountain could use for food. Mm -hmm. and, it, and by soaking within this energy, they were able to transform themselves and ultimately ascend. But they come in and out of the mountain to kind of as an agreement for us because they were a small group that ascended and because they already did it, their knowledge within this earth helps us as a collective ascend. Yes, and people still go to Shasta for that reason, and some claim to have encountered these beings. Oh, interesting. That's still happening today. And I've met a couple of people who 
take people on tours there because they've encountered these beings. Wow. So this still exists. And it's interesting because you're talking about these crystals and the frequency it's establishing for ascension, mm -hmm. which is a refinement of frequencies, and it's all just frequencies. Right. Food is frequencies. It's all frequency, right? Right. So for, speaking of frequency, so now we go back. So the frequency, going back to what you said earlier, that the early, quote, founding fathers um, Europeans for the most part, right, mm -hmm. were some of the original people that were really tampered with mm -hmm. in terms of what they called the fear virus. And this right. is something we hear quite a bit. So how right. did how did Anawea uh, describe this? And who were those who were perpetuating this fear virus? I mean, we're going back to the Anunnaki, back to right. Sumeria, back to the same old characters. Oh, so while I was talking to Anawea, he was often comforted by his mother, who had passed. She was murdered by the white man. And th his mother acted as a channel for these ancient ancestors. And some of these ancestors would come through Anawaya, who were um, ancestors in the tribe, um, Lemurians, and even from the Pleiades. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get a lot of knowledge from these ancient ancestors mm -hmm. who described this negative energy coming to the planet like this. They said it's a cyclical thing. The negative energy, this fear virus, attached itself to the planet. And with that, it attached other beings that feed off of fear. And it's cyclical. Eventually, we dispel this fear and it goes back into the universe only to do this all over again. It's like a, um, it's a cycle, just like we're all separated chaos to bring the well, unity. Yes, I mean fear is a frequency too. Love is right. a frequency. So if we're if everything is constantly undulating and if you look at um, even the Mayan calendar, for example, we have periods where we rise and create and where we mm -hmm. descend and forget. And certainly even just forgetting starts bringing anxiety and fear. Right. So uh, that makes sense. And so they're more saying it's not that the beings that we attribute to bringing these things to the planet or bringing it, it's they're simply riding on the wave of the fear, the introduction of the fear, because they relate to it. Yes, And then exactly. can be opportunistic within that right. field. Right, but this is just a cycle. This is mm -hmm. how, it's one of the rules if you want to incarnate on the three, this earth planet. Yeah, You have positive and negative polarity, just yes. like you have life and death. So there is no bad. Nothing in this universe is all negative. It feeds in together. It's just one, one cycle. That's why they use that symbol of the circle. Everywhere yeah. in these Native American tribes, they use the circle. And basically, like other um, different symbols, it's coded so that when a person sees a symbol, it does something to the mind. It unlocks this transmission within the mind. And really, there's a lot of story behind this one symbol. That's why all these symbols come from the well, star people. the circle people. and the cross. Exactly. The yes. circle and the cross means the, the cross is really for the four directions. Mm -hmm. But the very point of the circle, the middle of the circle, is, is to show us, to remind us so we can remember we all come from source. Mm -hmm. And we all go out, separate, in order to come back again. It's the cycle. There and you see no this all bad. over the world, the same symbol right. all over the world. Of course. So they said one of the ways in which fear has been perpetuated was by bringing the notion of commerce and business and monetary exchange into the picture right. from what were 
more organic tribal ways of living of abundance that had to do with what nature could provide and so forth. So mm-hmm. do you want to talk about that for just a moment? Sure. Well, when Anawaya went to England to try to sign this treaty, which, by the way, he never signed, um, he uh, said that they had very interesting practices that you know they would use money instead of trade. But for the Native Americans, they used trade, and it was a much better way of ex- exchange for them. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't really understand the English ways because it was so the monetary different. system. The one thing he couldn't get over was the smell. <laughs> like it smells disgusting. Oh yeah, of the cities, they well, didn't have they functioning take, plumbing yeah. or anything. Just out the window, throw their bath water mm-hmm. down the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as he's talking about their journey, so he he explained their journey to these other lands. Let me ask you this: I mean, because obviously, that less now is a woman. Mm-hmm. Number one, is she Caucasian woman? She's Caucasian. So. The Native Americans had to start kind of incarnating into the circles of modern beings that are here now. So many people that are relating so strongly to the Native American story, I would surmise, is because they have had that experience. That's a past life experience. Of course. And there's so much trauma from all of these indigenous tribes all over the world that we still carry with us. And I really think that's one of the reasons why they want this story to get out now, because there's so many stuck. It's almost like your soul's not stuck, but a part of you is stuck because of the trauma. And by hearing certain stories like this or even talking about it, a part of your soul can be released and you Mm -hmm. can rejoin with it. And because there's so many, so much trauma, I mean, generations of trauma, Absolutely. it creates more density on the planet. And I think they want to get this story out to heal this trauma so that the planet itself also becomes lighter. Well, it's a more gracious story because they're not just saying, you white men are the bad guys, you did this to us. Right. They're saying, you white guys are part of the same victim process. Right. You just played it out. It happened to you differently and played it out it, it played out through you differently, and of course it had repercussions to us, but they're putting the entire circle of how trauma happens from one group passed on to another to another, and generationally as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I always asked Anawaya, were you angry? Were you mad that they did this? And the interesting thing that I could, I really had a hard time getting over was, no, they understood. They understood. Yeah. That's beautiful. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Now let's go to the history of the Americas because the, he was telling you that there, this Americas had very ancient, very high cultures. So let's go into the history, both from Lemuria and from Atlantis and what the Americas once were, according to Anawaya. Anawaya kept describing the Americas as very advanced, and mm-hmm. the beings that lived on in the Americas were advanced too. Yes, they knew all of these things. They were, they were a lot different 
than how you see people today. They were uh, they would speak with ETs and interdimensional beings all the time, and they had very powerful powerful technology, and all of that was wiped out through ex- sometimes extraterrestrial wars mm-hmm. and floods and and things like that, and all that evidence has been removed just um, for one reason or another. But I thought what was really fascinating was that the, the ley lines were shifted after the destruction of Atlantis because mm-hmm. the destruction of Atlantis was so powerful with all their technology that it moved the ley lines and the most powerful energetic grid shifted from the capital of Atlantis to North America. And it was one of the reasons why many Lemurians were taken and moved to the Americas. And that was really fascinating to me. I was like, how, how did they get there? How did the Lemurian tribe get from Lemuria to the Americas? I knew that some of them were able to get to um, Mount Shasta, so you mm-hmm. know that's part of the America. But others apparently were taken by ships. Yes, yeah, and, they were and I think that's been one of the pieces that uh, humanity hasn't really been willing to look at yet. Mm-hmm. That uh, the Wright brothers didn't invent flight. there's been flight throughout the universe forever okay and there's been flight to and from this planet forever Forever. with every kind of technology (laughs) groups of people have been moved around since the beginning of time because we were never here alone (laughs) as just primitives you know that we always had other beings alongside us even as this species was developing so if we can just accept the notion that there's always been flight and there's always been the ability to move populations of people around, <laughs> then these great mysteries aren't so mysterious after all. You don't have to have some big <laughs> land bridge. Just fly them over. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so they talked about this in the movement. So let's talk this. about the movement of what populations in particular. Well, I was so surprised that the na- most of the Native Americans originated from Lemuria. I didn't know this before. And when the ancestors were saying this, it all made sense to me because when I was working on my Atlantis book, I regressed Jen. And when I brought her deep under hypnosis, I had her draw the symbol of Lemuria. And I was surprised because it was the same symbol as the Native Americans use. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't put two and two together. So then it made sense. Oh, obviously... Most of them were Lemurians. It makes sense on a number of levels. As you say this, because I've interviewed lots of people, as you know, and one of the things that is repeatedly said about Lemuria, for those who have a remembrance of it, I have some remembrance of it, and that is that the people were living much more in harmony with, uh, you might just say, frequency-based life. Uh, Technologies were much more natural and frequency-based Telepathy was normal. That was just normal, and so and close and living closer to the land without invasive technologies, and so that's how the Native Americans, even in modern times, chose to live and found it a, a superior way of living. Hmm. So that continued. I mean, that understanding right. and the connection with the others, which I want to get to, because this is about their connection with the Star People. Right. So let's talk about it. Oh, well, you know, the star people were always helping them. And it's funny that 
in all their symbols and their drawings, you know, they talk about the star people helping them mm -hmm. and they relied on the star people a lot for different things. And, but the star people couldn't interfere. They could just watch from right. afar. They could give them wisdom and they would get some of this wisdom through their plant medicines. They would do these ceremonies and they would ask for wisdom. And what was interesting is as they would do these ceremonies, they would all receive the same message from the star people. And they, most of them seem to have come from the Pleiades, or they talked about the seven sisters. Right. That's what they called them. Right, right, but, the Pleiades, yes. Right, was the Pleiades. And which had a strong influence over this planet for a very long time and mm -hmm. their own history with us. And some of the other authors I've interviewed have very deep connections with Pleiades. So it appears that the beings from the Pleiades are still to this day trying to help us remember Oh, definitely. And trying to help us find our own way home, which is an internal journey. It the, doesn't mean to the stars. Many beings from the Pleiades come through my clients when they're deep under hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's always so fascinating. They usually have the same message, which is to try to remind yourself that ultimately you are of God. And so when she was, when, when I guess this was less, was speaking about some of the ET connections with the people there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that they talked about, or at least you you told me they talked about, mm -hmm. was they explained the Mandela effect. Oh, this is so interesting. Yeah, because so we're saying, still mystified by it. Right, right? so am I. They were saying that the, the Mandela effect proves that you can literally change your life based on what you focus on. That if a human's timeline looks like a graph, and so there's like a, a line, it'll be a very dark line as to your most probable timeline. But if you focus on something else, you can change your timeline completely. And you can have one person have this line on a graph and another one way over here, and they're living two different lifetimes. They won't remember the same things because their lifetime will be totally different than one another. Like, so they say amazing. that the soul has the capability of inhabiting two different vehicles mm -hmm. or multiple vehicles at a time on different timelines to have these parallel experiences. Oh, yes. I mean, we are all multidimensional. Right. We're living in so many different timelines at so, you know, on so many different places all at the same time. What else did they have to say about that? Because people find this fascinating. I find it really fascinating, too, yeah. that you can learn to communicate with different parts of yourself and you can open up that communication. One way you can do it, that is by looking at these symbols, like looking at the flower of life pattern or mm -hmm. looking at one of these extraterrestrial symbols, like the circle with the dot in the middle. Mm -hmm. And you can activate that communication with this higher version of yourself and ultimately ask for guidance. Okay. Now I want to go back to something we talked about in the very beginning and have you flesh it out some more. And okay. it has to do with the uniqueness of the human emotional structure and what that allows us to create, but also how that works in opposition to that in this, on this planet of duality. Oh. So let's, what did they have to say? What did Anaway have to say? Anawaya. Anawaya, Awaya. Anawaya. Anawaya, have to say. It means wolf, apparently. Okay. About the human emotional structure and what it allows us to create by way of these portals and how right. all of that works. 
because that's always seen as kind of the bane of the existence. And I, right. I know we even have other shows on saying, well, they, uh, ETs don't think that human emotions are that, you know, instructive. You know? Really? <laughs> that's interesting because I've been told that we're so unique and we don't realize how much power we have because we have these emotions that on some other planets or some other beings have bred out their emotions yes. by accident, like the gray extraterrestrials, right. according to my clients. But you can use your emotions and people are so powerful in their energetics and the fact that they can use these emotions. But if you want to use your positive emotions, otherwise you'll invite or you bring in more possibilities for discord. Mm -hmm. So by focusing on a positive emotion, you really can manipulate the matter around you in relationship to that emotion. You can even use this to heal yourself. So basically what they were saying was anytime you feel a strong feeling, a strong emotion, anytime, always, it opens up portals. We're just not aware of this, but this is how our energetics work. And so if you think of these portals opening, when the portal opens, there are plenty of possibilities to you when this happens. So all you have, I mean, it worked, I tried it. And mm -hmm. all you have to do is focus on, on this emotion, ask for what you want. And this is the key. If there's no resistance to it, it will manifest very quickly, they said. Mm -hmm. Maybe next time I will ask for a million dollars. <laughs> but so when we actually bring something that's genuine excitement to the mm -hmm. table, it seems to me that that's one of the energies that you can manifest very quickly with. Yes. When it's excitement. genuine excitement coming from inside you, bubbling up from within you. Right, exactly. Then there's really no resistance. Then the manifestation happens very quickly anyway. So... Rather than trying to manage our emotions, which everyone's trying to do, mm -hmm. it seems in this day and age anyway, because it's been, you know, it's, it's been a bumpy ride. Um, maybe we would be better off to start looking at how we can focus them in truly innovative ways or in ways that actually excite our entire being. Because like you said, even that brings healing. It well, brings a higher frequency. It brings energy. Exactly. And my clients... While they're deep under hypnosis, the higher consciousness keeps saying, you know, now that these higher consciousness, these higher realms are available, they're here, yeah, yeah. they're available. This is all new to the human and we're, we can access this great intelligence and actually become the powerful being that we're meant to become. And this will become mainstream as yes. we go into the future. But you can, what you can do now is to become aware of the subtleties going on in your body, the subtle layers, because there's, as, like I said, the consciousness of the earth is getting stronger. It's constantly communicating with us. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think is so fascinating is the use of the sun. Many religions... Yes, talk about this. Many religions had the religion based on the sun. And I always wondered, how do you use the sun? What is this all about? And what people don't understand is the sun is a portal. So I'll just tell you this example. I had this client come in and she wanted to lose weight. And she tried so many different things. I mean, literally she went on a juice fast and the weight wouldn't budge. So obviously there was something going on. And usually when a client wants to lose weight, their subconscious will say, oh, the weight acts as like a protection. You know, that's usually the case. And if you can figure out a way to feel protected, the weight will come off very easily. 
and the subconscious needs to understand this and so does the conscious mind. Well, this wasn't the case. The higher consciousness said, she needs to go outside without her contacts. And so that was a little surprising. I asked, what do you mean? And they said, she needs to be exposed to unfiltered sunlight because humans, all humans need a little unfiltered sunlight because ultimately what's available to humanity right now is the power of this intelligence coming from the portals of the sun. It goes through the unfiltered eyes straight to the pineal gland and it unlocks the human power. So true. And that's interesting that came through. And you and I did a session that you've transcribed a little bit about. Yes. And the sun played hugely yes. in that back in Atlantean times, too. And also the whole notion of going out in the morning, for example, for people who are just having having this uh, memory come back again. Right. To go in the early blush of the morning when the sun's first rising. And even if you're just looking at the sun through your eyelashes to begin with, to just open your eyes for however many seconds and take the fullness of the cool sun's information into your being first thing in the morning has a phenomenal, I'm so glad you brought it up because I stopped doing it too, has a phenomenal effect. But they're saying also go out in and I would think bathe yourself in it however you can, but they say definitely through the eyeballs unfiltered. That's so interesting because I'm always wearing my glasses so I stopped yeah. doing that. Even just a little bit, they said, yes. will unlock these dormant potentials yes. within ourselves. Thank you so much for bringing, <laughs> bringing that bit of information back. Even after you and I did the regression, I still didn't go back and start <laughs> practicing it again. It's so funny how we just kind of get into our groove. But every time I do that, it makes a massive difference. It does. And recently I've started doing that early in the morning to go out and just lie in the sun very early in the morning when it's kind of first cresting so it can hit the body wow. when it's still cool out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be in the harsh heat of day right. because we forget the sun, the sun is the source of all life in, right. in our solar system right. on all planets. Nothing exists without the sun. And it's not just, it's casting light and heat. It's casting massive amounts of information as a very divine, massive being. Right. And information is coming through the sun. Yes. And that's one way we get yeah, our From the central sun through our yes. sun into us. Right. Oh, I'm so excited that you talked about this <laughs> and brought this up. Tell, tell me what else they had to say, the Native Americans had to say, because they were very oriented toward the sun and the stars. What right. else did Anna Waya have to say? Well, they kept reminding us to connect with nature Mm -hmm. that basically, like I said, this is all cycle. So we needed to lose our connection for a while. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like having opposition to to remembering, you know, Mm -hmm. so we needed this disconnection in order to really appreciate our reconnection. And that is essentially what we're supposed to do now. We're supposed to remember these teachings of the Native Americans or the indigenous tribes all over the world. Who were us at one time. Most of of us have incarnated that way and just forgot. Right. And we're supposed to bring back that knowledge and reconnect to the earth to our natural surroundings, start communicating with it. Because within the earth, there's always a cure. There's always a plant that will help you with something. Mm -hmm. There's always an answer to your question. Everything is provided 
for us within the earth. And, and by the sun. And by the sun, yes. I remember my guide saying years ago, saying they're very big on this, never worship anything, anyone, no worship, but you can give as much love and care and respect as you wish to the sun or any other being or entity. That works. Worship mm-hmm. is simply giving power away and putting yourself below something. And they said, even the sun, don't put yourself below the sun, but you can send your extreme appreciation and love to the sun as it's yeah. always sending to you. I love and that. And so on that note, one of the and one of the final things that um, was coming through from these various beings and from the star people is again the message of love. Love, 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 love. You know, as you said earlier, when you go into a session um, yourself, you find gratitude is the fastest way to lift uh, your frequencies. I find the same thing. Love is so loaded. It, it's, it has so many different kind of attached notions as to what, ev- what love even is anymore. So if you can, I'm saying this because if you can explain in their words what they mean by love and maybe what we mean by gratitude and appreciation, um, respect, care, and love that come out of gratitude, this is a place I think we all need to start going to besides just the earth. Right. Well, I feel as if gratitude is really harmonizing. It's, yeah. be- it's harmonizing with yourself and your environment yes. and really feeling the oneness. But the way they describe love it's sort of different than how we describe love. They describe love as that moment when, say for instance, when a client is remembering leaving their body after a lifetime, there's a moment of complete bliss and a rejoining of all the parts of themselves. If a human were to experience, they would just start crying. They wouldn't be able to take this really, really powerful feeling of oneness. It's so overwhelming, it's so beautiful. But that's what they mean when they say love. So if we can connect in our own memory to these feelings, that may happen, say, through the birth of a new baby. Right. You see a baby who's just come into the world and is starting this journey and those those little, little eyes that seemingly are seeing everything for the first time. That would be one of those moments of tears, and for example, right. and, and the purity of love. Or whatever it is to each person that we can bring us, maybe it's a sunset. So if we can remember those moments of that feeling, that's the love they're talking about. Right. That purity, that bliss. So that's a good practice to just remember. Remember those moments of love so we can just keep bringing our frequencies up and up and up. Definitely. Yeah. And gratitude. Any final thoughts, Sarah? This is really just a beautiful story that they brought through. Oh, Yes, it is. It's amazing. I'm always so excited to see what they're going to share with me next. But basically, I guess the final thoughts would just to be to really be curious about your own self. Go deep within yourself and see what it is that drives you, what, what your passions are, and really try to connect deep within yourself and listen and and go out into nature and start harmonizing yourself with nature and getting that intelligence from nature. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely beautiful as always. And so I can't wait to hear who comes through who next. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll have you back on. Thank you so much, Sarah. Again, the name of Sarah's new book is A Hypnotist's Journey from the Trail to the Star People. 
Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform. Transform.